So, what's up, guys? It seems like it's working. I can see you guys there, but all my screen right here says offline, offline, nothing's working. So, who knows? You gotta love technology, right? So, what's up, guys? My name is Ryan here with Tampa Carry. We're gonna be having a another awesome Clubhouse Live. Uh, oh, you know what? I didn't start the Clubhouse. I probably need to do that. Let's click the start button. Start the room. Uh, Bob, what is up, buddy? Shane, Wayne, what's up? Greg, I don't know what the problem is. We, ever since that uh, Facebook meltdown that happened on Monday, like most of the technology, all the apps and all the stuff that we have that's like integrated, like none of it is working. It has been a disaster. So, uh, so who knows? But, you know, it takes a lot of bandwidth to delete a ton of information off of your platform. Right. What is up, Joe Yeager? How are you? I'm doing terrific. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you, man. Awesome. Awesome. Good to be here. Hi, Tiffany. Hi, Troy. Hi, Eddie. Let's see here. Okay, so we're still waiting on Tiff and everybody else to get on here. Uh, Tracy, what's up? Uh, so make sure you guys, if you want to join the conversation, head over to Clubhouse. Uh, I'll put a link down in the description below. You guys can join into the conversation. We're going to be sharing a lot of crazy stuff that's been happening in this last week. Joe, I'm sure you heard about this, buddy. But uh, a Pennsylvania man committed a triple murder in Lakeland. Did you hear about this? This happened Friday, I believe. Okay, so uh, oh, so this is on Saturday. Uh, following a two-hour manhunt, uh, Pasco County Sheriff, or I'm sorry, Polk County Sheriff's detectives arrested a 39-year-old man. His name is Sean. After three counts of first-degree murder and one count of aggravated battery. So this guy, he works for a Pennsylvania company. He uh, was down here in Florida working at the public's headquarters doing some electrical work. And I guess there were five co-workers all work, uh, living in this house as they're doing this work uh, at this public's headquarters, right? So this guy, the suspect, he gets into a verbal argument and then turns into a fist fight. He then leaves the job site. And uh, his, his four roommates just thought, you know, this guy probably just got upset, probably just went back to Pennsylvania, doesn't want to be here anymore. So later that night, he returned home at 9.45 a.m. the next day, where he murdered two of his coworkers that were asleep by beating them to death with a baseball bat. That's a, that's a pretty, like, violent, pretty aggressive... Uh, death, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. Then another coworker realized that this guy was beating them and hurting them. So he approached, uh, tried to help. And then it looks like, I think he stabbed. Yeah, he stabbed that third coworker to death. Yeah, I wouldn't say uh, Condition Yellow, in my opinion, probably doesn't work very well when you're sleeping, right? I think that's a perfect definition of when you're in Condition White, which for everybody that doesn't 
you know, uh, know about or hasn't heard about the Cooper color code, it's basically four different levels of awareness. So condition white is imagine you're sleeping. You're in your house. All your doors are locked. Like you're zoning out watching, a t- watching TV after a long day. That's condition white. That's when you're like pretty oblivious to the world. You're, you're drinking a bottle of wine. I don't know if you drink a whole bottle. You're having a beer. Like you're pretty chill and pretty relaxed. Now, obviously, Condition White is okay if you're sleeping, but if you're out walking through Publix, Condition White is very, very dangerous, right? Those, that's what we call the sheep. Those are the people that are completely oblivious to the world, to society, and those are what the bad guys are looking for. So when we're out in the world, really we want to be in, and let me give you before I tell you that, Condition Red is the opposite of Condition White. Condition Red is, holy crap, My gun is out of my holster. It's in my hand. Within a microsecond, I am going to have to kill somebody, okay? So we don't want to live our lives in condition white, and we don't want to live in condition red because both of those are bad. We kind of want to be in the middle. Where we should be is condition yellow. So that means we are generally aware of our surroundings and the people who occupy it. And we're searching for pre-incident indicators that people have violent or evil intent. Um, And then once we identify a person who has violent or evil intent, then we would move into condition orange, which means I've identified a threat. I'm now moving through the OODA loop, which is observe, orient, decide, and act. And I'm trying to figure out what my next course of action is going to be. So Tiff, while waiting for Joe, what do you think about this triple murder in Lakeland? Ryan, I would love to give you my input, but I was doing the tech issues here trying to figure out what was happening, so I didn't really pay attention. Is it that, did you say somebody from Pennsylvania? Yes. Yeah, so a guy was down here working at the Publix, uh, like headquarters, doing electrical work or whatever. Must have been a pretty long-term contract because they rented a house, him and four of his coworkers, and then the guy just lost it. And decided yeah, to mental beat, health issues, right? beat two is... of them to death with a baseball bat. And then he stabbed the third one to death. Yeah. So that's obviously either he's just completely freaking insane or, you know, something something happened that because uh, that seems very personal to beat someone to death. Um, that's just crazy. So, but can you hear I, me now? Am yes. I surprised? Yeah, perfect, Joe. Okay, here we're thinking it's Clubhouse. Ha, <laughs> perfect. But in reality, no, I, it I, was I heard, an... I heard you guys fine. Okay. In reality, it was an elderly person with uh, their... What is it called? Their uh, their cricket cell phone. Ryan, you are so mean. <laughs> Joe can't get his cricket cell phone to connect to Clubhouse. Well, yeah, it's it, it, it's actually crooked rather than cricket. But. Cr- crooked, okay, all right. Okay, so Joe, so, explain to me, what is condition yellow to you like when you're sleeping? What, is, what does that mean to you? He's having a home defense plan. Okay. So having the extra security on every entry point in the house where whether it be uh, floodlights or um, uh, what do you call motion sensor lights that are extremely bright, uh, in a patio in the front of the house, having uh, bars, alarms, things of that nature at night 
when I sleep, not that this necessarily will prevent someone from coming in altogether, but I'm a fairly light, light sleeper. So if there is any unusual noise in the house, I'm, I wake up. Yeah. And so if there is a loud noise in the house, even if they break the glass of the front, front door, by the time they remove everything there is to remove, it buys me the time to grab my bedside firearm, my shotgun. I'm ready. I've got a, a plan. I got, we've got walkie-talkies. We've got a code word. Uh, so there is going to be time. That's condition yellow. It doesn't mean I have to sleep with one eye open. It means I've given, given myself that period of time, that couple of minutes extra with all that security to one, either have the, the firearm, the, 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 the culprit get scared and leave, uh-huh. wake up the neighbors, but certainly wake me up. And then everybody knows what they, what they have to do. So to me, that's a condition yellow while I'm sleeping. I've taken some steps to increase the security that I have and the time that I need to be able to get ready. Yeah, I would call that an early warning system. Uh, I have a video that's going to publish on YouTube sometime this week. I'm not sure what day it's scheduled. But guys, when I say this is like a terrifying, scary video, this is terrifying. So this guy, the the family is sleeping. It's a two-story house. The bad guy was able to make entry into the home, find a knife in the kitchen, and then you can watch on the home surveillance footage as this guy is like rifling through stuff in the kitchen. He's looking in the the, um, uh, living room and he's like going through stuff, looking for valuables. Uh, it's absolutely terrifying to think that this guy was inside the house, had a knife, and the homeowners had zero clue that this guy was there. And this is why, you know, I think people get very uh, confused at what the purpose of a home alarm is, of what dogs are, or even cameras, right? People think that cameras, a dog, that that's what's going to actually stop the bad guy. The purpose of those items is to tell you that the bad guy is here. The purpose is to tell you that the fight has started. Does that make sense? But bad guys are not afraid of those items. Yeah, it does. Um, it reminds me of something I used to say a long time at the academy. Don't say it much more. Say glass is to keep honest people out. Yeah. And with camera, with cameras and everything, you see what they're doing is not necessarily a deterrent. Same thing with um, certain locks and deadbolts and floodlights. You know, it's interesting that when someone's in your, you know, getting in your house like that, the night vision camera can show you everything they're doing. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't call the police. It doesn't necessarily wake you up. And um, it's, it's, it's crazy that that type of thing goes on, especially when you know that, you know, they have to have the ADT sign or they have the, you know, the, 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 the sign about, I have something that's faster than nine one one or something. It's, it's, it's crazy out there. Yeah, dude, Kareem, let me tell you, man. So the other day, Tiff and I are sleeping and, uh, all of a sudden, like our house erupted fire, fire. Like that's the, the automation voice or whatever the, the smoke alarms are going off. It keeps yelling fire, fire. 
man, I jumped out of bed so stinking fast. And Tiff and I both come charging downstairs. I fully expected like, I don't know, our kitchen to just be engulfed in flames, right? And I get down there and Paisley's like, I was making toast. <laughs> so she's, <laughs> dude, she's. Ryan is butt naked sliding down the stair railing. I was not naked actually, which was shocking because I usually am. I fell asleep wearing shorts or my daughter would be even more traumatized than she was already. But uh, she's like, I go down there just to check, right? Like, you know, let's just make sure everything's okay. And Paisley's crying. Dad's so mad at me. I said, I'm not mad at you. <laughs> I was just trying to figure out, you know, what the hell's happening. I'm trying to keep us all alive. Uh, but it's, go Tef. Well, I was just going to say, when you're in the dead of sleep, though, it takes it takes some time to understand what was happening because my thought when I heard the beeping going off, I'm like, who's oh, an Amber Alert? There's an Amber Alert. So my first thought was just that the phones were going off and that it was an Amber Alert. So you thought that was an crazy. Amber. That was, I know. It was pretty wild. Right. I was sleeping, I you know? know, like I wasn't. That's but what I'm saying is when you're in the dead of sleep, like you, you really have to have a plan. That's not the time to think of it because you're. When you're waking up in the dead, you know, from a dead asleep, you're confused, and and it takes a few minutes for you to like be like, wait a minute, where am I? What's happening? You know, so yeah, and it goes to show, like you know, Joe made a really good point. He said that him and his family they actually go through. This is the plan. If the alarm goes off, if a burglar is in the house, this is exactly what we're gonna do. And I'm sure Joe, you guys rehearse that plan because in the heat of that moment. If you simply talked about it once, uh, all that is gone. Like you're you're going to be in a panic and you're not going to know what to do. I actually try to surprise the family from time to time, and I and I ask them before they go to sleep, or or I might just burst into the into the room. I might just yell the word and see how they act. Okay, so your code word so, you're saying, right? Yes. Okay. So, so we have done it so many times when we first started it. Now, maybe every couple of weeks or so, just out of nowhere, I'll just do it. And I'll just burst into the room. I also worked uh, some self-defense scenarios with them, just basic self-defense if they get grabbed or sure. you know, things to say, things to do. And they're not enthusiastic about it, but I still try not to – force it more of explain the necessity of it because you're also talking about two 17 year old girls that are going to be going to college. Yeah. And you hear the stories that are, are, are happening in colleges across the country. And you even put a video not too long ago about these two girls entering, whether it's the dorm room or their apartment door outside and somebody runs across the street rubs the, the the one girl the other girl's doing nothing and thankfully he didn't kidnap them he just wanted their purse or iphone because they were not paying attention yeah so oh, yeah i know what video you're talking about yeah that, remember that right yeah. so what i'm what i'm trying to explain to for example for the longest time my girlfriend goes to me i don't need that because i have you to protect me and i go i'm not with you 24 7. I travel sometimes, you travel sometimes. I get out of the house to go to the range, give classes, go to meetings. I'm not going to be here all the time. 
And you go shopping and do doing things on your own too. So the second best thing I can do to being there to protect you is to teach you how to protect yourself. And so that is how they take that on. And that is how they understand it. I don't force them to go to the range, but I expect my girlfriend to dry fire at least three, four times a week. And I give her drills and I, and I check with her and we go through the scenario. So I think to me, that is what condition yellow is. If you're going to have someone that goes out of the house and he's angry and hearing stories like this, I don't care who you are. If you leave my house angry, my house, and you know how calm I am, and you know, it's, it, I can't even, I don't know if in this story, these victims actually had such a huge fight, but it sounds like someone took it very personally. I'm still going to lock my door. It doesn't matter where I'm at and who's coming and who's going. Yeah, sometimes with crazy people, you can't just lock the door, right? Like, that's not enough. This guy in this Lakeland incident, he was determined. Like, he left. He came back the next day, right, at 9.30, 9.40 in the morning with the intent to kill these people. So that's somebody who spent the whole night thinking about it, right? And this just goes to, like, when you we talk about this concept of gun control, firearm registration, reducing high-capacity magazines and stuff. When you have somebody who is going to go leave, think about it, create a plan of attack, and then come back and execute, how do you stop a crazy person like that? You take your double-barrel shotgun and you shoot him in the leg. Yeah? Insert Joe Biden reference? Yes. Or you, you acknowledge the fact that the, quote, cooling off period is actually a planning period and isn't helping the situation. That's another way to look at it. Very true. That's very, very Absolutely. true. Absolutely. Let me tell you guys, you, um, I have something really exciting to talk about that um, I wasn't planning to, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, we went to an event last week or two weeks ago, and we learned about this organization that Tiff and I are going to get heavily involved in. We are going to integrate our businesses with it uh, because this is a fight. This is a mountain that, uh, you know, they say you find your true purpose when you find a mountain that you're willing will or a hill that you're willing to die on. So this organization, I want you guys to all go Google it. I want you to join it and I want you to really think about it. It is called Operation Underground Railroad. So this organization is created by, I think he is a former CIA agent. And what he is doing, the mission of this organization is to stop human trafficking of children. So we're going to post a link. I was trying to get it just now and I'm having a hard time. Tiff's trying to get it for me. Uh, If I can get it, I'll post it in the chat. If not, I'll uh, post it on social media later. His name is Tim Ballard. But what this organization is doing, oh, it looks like I did just get it. So let me copy it. Let me post it inside of the, uh, the chat here. So what this guy is doing is they are, they're gathering um, money and then he has got a professional Hollywood makeup artist that is getting him to make like, he looks like a different person. They're finding these sex traffickers and they are either going them and going there and arresting them in like undercover stings. He's going, it sounds like some of the stuff that I've learned 
He's actually going and and finding the children, negotiating with these bad guys, and then rescuing the children. Like, you want to talk about putting yourself in harm's way. This guy is freaking doing it, man. Uh, so there's a documentary that's going to come out about all of this in uh, January. Uh, but I, I want to know what your guys' thoughts are on this. Your thoughts on how we can stop and, and really fight human trafficking. Something that I learned recently that I had no idea about. They're, they believe more people are being held in slavery today, 2021, than back in the 1800s when slavery was legal across most of the world. Brian, there are only over 40 million people human trafficked, 75% are women and kids. And the I did a video on this on my Life in Perspective uh, channel a couple of months ago. It was shameless about plug time. What's that? I said shameless plug time. It's okay, Joe. I appreciate you. No, I'm, you- I'm, I'm just saying the reason I you, you're mentioning that and the reason I did this video is because I was talking about uh, the, the way to recognize potential human trafficking victims, the things that are being done. Uh, the numbers, the profits of that business over $150 billion a year. Is that true? Profits. Is that true? $150 billion a year? $150 billion that, that in profits. They, that they know of and will acknowledge. Because to your yes. point, Ryan, the thing about it is it's not new. The only th- scared, sad thing about it is that, unfortunately, what you're talking about is really a blip on the screen. I hate to pick on my my adopted home state of Georgia and Florida, but reason why I get on Florida because Florida is a party state that has a lot of Caribbean traffic that goes on. Okay. Um, when you look at the sex trade as a whole, and 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 also labor, um, when you look at I hate to say it, certain nail shops. We've talked about massage parlors before. Mm -hmm. I say it, but anyone that comes in and they didn't go through the process, meaning they they filed, they got, you know, their their federal court hearing and got in legally. Every single last one of those people are potentially going to be, you know, introduced to this new slave trade. And it's, it's, you know, everyone wants to get sensitive about, you know, talking about, making sure people come in legally, but that's kind of the point of coming in legally. So you're not a victim of the sex trade or, you know, uh, white slavery with, with, with labor. I mean, people just don't understand areas that have a high concentration of individuals that didn't legally come through the process have a high concentration of, unfortunately, sex trafficking and a lot of underage sex trafficking. Sure. What's also scary, I was listening to an interview with Tim Ballard uh, yesterday, uh, and he was sharing how, like, they just did a big raid down in Haiti. Uh, There was a woman down there who was, like, the big kingpin of sex trades or whatever. And when they did the raid, they have a camera crew. They're wearing GoPros on their heads and stuff. And one of the problems is they get in, and then everybody scatters like cockroaches, right? So he said when they made entry, there was actually like dozens of children actively being raped by Americans. So American men 
are going down to Haiti on vacation because it's a lot easier to do those kind of evil things in Haiti than it is to try to do it here in America. And it's just very scary to think, you know, that that this kind of stuff is happening to children, how scared these children are, uh, you know, tied up, held captive, whatever. And... Um, Oh, Ryan, do you remember what um, Tim Ballard said when he spoke was that these kids are even, you know, sold by their parents and families. So and they know it. So they really are in those rooms, he said, feeling like there is no chance that somebody that somebody will ever come and get them because the police. Oh, sorry. It was the police. Sorry. Sorry. Back that up. He said that the local police are in on it. And so these children just have no chance. Like if it's not outside help coming to get them, nobody's looking for them. Nobody's going to try and get them because the, the police and stuff are all paid off by these human traffickers because it is such a large industry and they make so much money that they just pay everybody off. And also realize, Ryan, that the amount of money that governments are spending and law enforcement is spending on human trafficking rescue, so to speak, or search and rescue, is less than 1% of the profits made by human trafficking. Oh, wow. So when that's, you have $150 billion, $150 billion, which is, by the way, more than the profits of take, – take any company out there, whether it's Facebook, Apple, ExxonMobil, Google, Pfizer, take any of these companies. None of these companies' annual profits reach $150 billion. That's how big that business is. And if you spend – Less than 1% of the profits, you can't expect the results to be that significant by comparison to the tragedy. It's going to be very difficult to make a dent. But again, every life that you save from that is good news. It's a bright spot, but it really is a drop in the bucket by comparison to what is actually being made. And by the think about it, over 40 million people. It's 40 wild. million victims. It's wild. It is. It's wild because, like, I think in the majority of Americans' minds, slavery ended with the Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation, right? I think most people just assume slavery ended. Maybe there's some human trafficking, whatever, but, you know, it's a very small number. You got to think, we used to have slaves, like, on plantations and stuff. It was very out in the open. But today they're saying that the number of slaves has doubled from what it was back in the day. That is that is shocking to me. Shocking. Well, I hate to say it like this. It really shouldn't be because if you have, and I'm not picking on any particular ethnic group when I say this, but if you, you go to an area of a neighborhood that has a strong majority of somebody that's not from here, yeah, and you go into one of their restaurants, and one thing you'll notice It'll be one person in charge and there'll barely be three other people out of the 25 there that can speak English. 
Yeah, People but you know, Kareem, I always assumed that was like, you know, a family came here from Vietnam, right? And they're learning English, but while they're working or whatever. I've never been to a place nope. like that and thought, oh, that's a that's a slave that's slave labor. Nope. Um the thing about that is that that's a that's that's one of those old 1970, 1980 um ideals that really isn't what's going on now. When you stop and look at um say a Take a very, very large, like in Georgia, in Metro, we have big, well-staffed, um, clean, beautiful Asian restaurants, and they are—they're quick, they're efficient, they go above and beyond. But if you watch, they're little people that you could, that you could basically equate to overseers. Sure. And they used to run a commercial. They used to run a commercial up here. And one of the things that was an outrage was that when it showed what happened, it, showed, it used the nail shop as an example of human trafficking. Well, the people that got upset about that failed to mention that they had busted a couple of uh, massage parlors and nail shops where all the girls that were there were here illegally and they were all being housed in like one room uh, apartments. You know, the all the money that was made was going to like the 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 person who had the nail shop and then being kicked up to some form of organized crime, and that's something that goes on and brought up in daylight that people kind of don't know about or ignore. But yeah, what you're saying is is 100% right. It's just that I guess we've gotten so so comfortable with scenarios like that we never pay attention to it unless it involves little kids, and when it does involve little kids. It's horrible. It's terrible. But we also have to look at the adults, like you were mentioning, that are in this current, you know, they used to call it white slavery. Now it's just slavery. But that's something that that's, that's you know, if you don't know what's going on or you don't pay attention to it, you will ignore it. And like I said, I'm not picking on any particular ethnic group, but I'm just saying when you look at where it's happening, you'll happen to notice it's, it's a line of people. That's doing it. And in like a state like Florida, we have a lot of tourism and you have a lot of you no know, common labor jobs and service level jobs. Think about it. Most cruise ships. You can almost count the number of Americans that work on there. That's not enough for management. Go to any go start it, start in Jacksonville, go down to Miami, go to Tampa, go to go to Pensacola and look at this. Just the, the everyday change the bed sheets, you know, clean the bathroom or, or better yet. I'll give you another one that if, if, if you if you're paying attention to certain extended stay hospitals, I mean, I'm a certain, uh, extended stay hotels or, or, or motor lodges and look at the just pay attention to the women that are the housekeepers there and okay. notice a pattern. Yeah. OK, that makes sense. I don't know. It's scary. So you guys are going to hear a lot about uh, Operation Underground Railroad from Tiff and I. I'm going to be pushing it pretty hard uh, and really encouraging guys to go to their website. They've got a lot of videos that you can watch to kind of learn how human trafficking is working, uh, how these guys are actually preying on uh, young people on social media. And, you know, we all have this idea that they're kidnapping kids and they're bringing them to some faraway land and using them for sex or whatever. But it's also happening just right in our backyard. It is happening every single day. Um, what is that guy's name? Glenn Beck. 
shares a story that he said, I've never shared this with anybody before, but he said, you know, I'm a very prominent person. People know who I am. And he said, one night I walked downstairs and there was a man in my house who for a while had been like communicating with Glenn Beck's son over social media. And somehow this guy was able to weasel his way in. And thank God Glenn uh, was there and was able to stop anything bad from happening. But it just goes to show that it can happen to anybody on a small scale, on a large scale. And this is a problem that we have to stop pretending does not exist. We have to take action. We have to do something to to fight back. Or we're, uh, the world's just going to plunge in even more chaos. And learn from lessons in the past. True story. Servicemen didn't realize that, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a timeline of kind of when this happened, if you know this program for the name. Back when IRQ and Yahoo Messenger was a big thing, didn't understand that those messages were being logged and that they could be traced. Okay. Parents would always ask, he stationed at, say, Scott Air Force Base. We're in Tacoma, Washington. How did they hook up? How long has this been going on? How did they been corresponding? Now, that used to ruin men and women's lives way back in the 90s. Okay. okay. Almost 30 years since then, in 2021, same thing is going on with underage people. And like you said, with uh, using the example of Glenn Beck, people communicating from hundreds of thousands of miles away and causing problems. A, a, a couple of cases that, that started this year out were people who were communicating with kids back and forth and sending them money and they would get a bus ticket, get a plane ticket, whatever, and come to where they are. I mean, it would it would cripple you if you actually got a chance to know not just the cases that were prosecuted, but the cases that are being currently investigated for uh, individuals, you know, enticing and soliciting a minor. I mean, I don't know what part of Florida it is, but don't, don't they have a teacher down there uh, here about two weeks ago uh, that is, is, is caught the litany of charges all the way from solicitation to, you know, sodomy. And, you know, she was supposed to be a teacher. You know, what, wow. what they used to hang her with was her messages she had sent to the guy. He was like 13 or 14 years old. And I'm thinking, 97, 98, we were catching people via the messages they sent. Not, 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 not text messages back and forth from phone through sure. social media all the time. And fast forward to now and the same things going on. And I always wonder, you know, are we not learning from the lessons that, you know, are we not learning from the examples we have? You know, when you have the kids come in that, that are adults now that it happened to you know, 10, 15 years ago, and they're talking about exactly what you're talking about. It's, it feels like, you know, at what point is everyone thinking it's this big reset button and we forgot, okay, it's safe now. That's never going to happen again. But it's going on. And the, the boldness and blatantness of these people to say, okay, they, they, they think they're being smart. They won't go to where the kid is, but they'll send their money to come to them. Sure. That's still a crime. You know, that, that's still a crime. That's still very legal. And this the the... To see that it's going on and it's not getting any better in some areas, it's getting worse. It's really that's that's worrisome. 
Yeah, I agree. I, um, you know, this isn't a human trafficking story, but this is a true story that happened to one of my students. I asked her why she wanted to carry a gun and she said, um, I just caught my husband doing something and uh, now he's in jail right now and I'm very, very scared of what's gonna happen when he gets out. So I could tell she was very upset, right? So um, I said, you know, if you don't mind me asking, what did you catch him doing? And she said, he is a uh, paramedic here in Brandon and uh, she was in his office one day and she found this little thumb drive in his office that she'd never seen before. Like not that big of a deal, right? I've probably got a gazillion random thumb drives and SD cards in my office, but she decided, you know, I'm gonna put this in the computer. I wanna see what's on this thumb drive. And what she discovered was thousands of pictures and videos of this uh, paramedic abusing and touching women uh, that were in the back of the ambulance. So now you gotta think, these are women that have just been involved in some type of severe accident, severe injury, like something bad has happened. Obviously, if he was able to touch them, then they were unconscious, right? So that's how bad this injury was. So this piece of shit is driving them to the hospital, trying to keep them alive, while at the same time, sexually abusing them and recording it, videoing it, and saving it. You know, so that like, it was a rough class because it was shocking to hear all this stuff, but it just drives home the point that I say all the time that we never know who we're dealing with. You know, these kind of people, they could be, somebody said in the chat, it could be the teacher at your kid's school. It could be, do you guys remember there was a case up in Pennsylvania where a, um, Mother and a father like hired a babysitter to to babysit like their nine month old kid, right? So this happened probably two to three years ago. Hired the babysitter to watch the infant, the baby, and then the babysitter just disappeared. So the baby was gone. So for like two days, there's this big manhunt. They're trying to find this kid. And then finally they found the babysitter and the babysitter didn't want to talk. And then finally she decides to like open her mouth and say what happened. And she said, I met these people online. They paid me $10,000 for this baby. She said, so on the side of the uh, side of a road or whatever, they she met these two older women. They gave her the cash. She gave them the baby. And then boom, they disappeared. So like for two more days, there's this massive manhunt for this nine-month-old baby. And then, you know, the, the traffickers, these two evil women they realize that they're not gonna escape with this baby. There's too much pressure, too many pictures, like they're gonna get caught. So they ended up killing the baby and putting the baby inside of a trash can at a local park. Um, we have to, re evil, evil exists, people. I think you guys know that, right? Evil exists. We just don't know. It could be the babysitter, could be the landscaper, could be the nanny. Could just be some random person at Publix that sees you and gets infatuated and decides that you're the target. We have to really pay attention. And we gotta really talk to our children about exact, you know, nobody wants to talk to their kids about what to do if, if somebody tries to molest them. People don't wanna talk to their kids about what to do if somebody tries to kidnap them. 
Tiff and I have conversations with our children of if somebody ever tries to take you, this is how you kill that person. You've got to art. I literally two or three days ago, I was showing Lincoln. Do you feel that? You feel that artery right there? If you can find a, a piece of broken glass, a knife, my boys carry pocket knives unless they're at school. Take your knife and stab the person right there. Uh, if they're driving and they kidnap you, you need to grab the steering wheel and pull it as hard as you can so that that driver crashes. So that hopefully if they crash, they wreck their car, uh, a good person is gonna run up and be like, what is happening? And you can start screaming, this is not my mom, this is not my dad, they're stealing me. You know, it's a tough conversation to have, but these are the conversations we have to have if we truly wanna protect our children. So I'd like to get your guys' opinions on that. Well, to start off, you, you make a very valid point, but here's the, here's the scary part about that. Everyone who's a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe know Peter Parker and Mary Jane. But what they don't seem to remember, and when I look at the, the, the date on this, it makes, me, it makes me kind of choke up to realize it's been literally 30 plus years since they did it. Stan Lee wrote a comic dealing with both the things you're talking about. Okay. And in the comic, Mary Jane was a victim of sexual abuse from her stepfather. Okay. Where you go to the cinematic universe, you know, he was just a drunk who she cared about. But in the comic book, um, one of the issues he, ta he talked about was that, you know, like you said, that, that, that being abused by someone you know or someone who's familiar to you. The other part of that was a story that Peter Parker had where that familiarity person was a guy that he that was a little older than him that he met that was basically grooming him. Right. You know, the comic yeah, the comic is still out there. You you can you can still find it, but they gave him away free when I was in about the fourth of really no, really the third or fourth grade actually. And the last topic it covered was drug drug addiction and drug abuse. And when I look at some of Stanley's, you know, interviews on the topic as an adult, he's he talks about how he really was not very familiar with um, the, the the drug culture and everything like that because he didn't do drugs, but he talked to extensively about the grooming uh, instance that he knew about and the situation with being sexually assaulted by someone familiar. And it just goes to me to in this day and age where everyone's woke and all this, that comic book is that old. Right. And, and then and, and we look at the fact that, okay, you take uh, the guy from America's Most Wanted. I can't think of his name, but the movie Adam, where his yep. son was kidnapped and killed. Right. I'm old enough to remember when you could go into like a Citizen Roll book or JCP or somewhere and play a video game. And when he got kidnapped and killed, that's when they stopped doing that. Interesting. If you know that story, right? If you know that story, he was him and his mom was in Sears, well, Citizen Roll book, and he was standing there playing or watching some kids play the Atari uh, display they had up there and he disappeared. And then, you know, you follow the rest of the story, the true life part of description in the movie. And then you, I look at that error where when we talk about serial killers and, and, and how they, you know, th that was something that, that was, a, that, that people talked about more. And then you had, like you said, this is not my mommy and daddy. Be able to get away, scream, punch, bite, 
run away, find a police officer, find a, a, another adult. This information and these things are still going on. It hadn't stopped. Now, you can be in a safe sure. area or a safe neighborhood where it doesn't happen that often. But everything you're saying right now, I'm telling you, as a child, I can remember the assemblies we had and the police officers coming in, the firemen coming in, the councils. And I'm thinking way back then with everything that's going on now and everything that's continued going on, what keeps being this disconnect where people think that, okay, this doesn't happen anymore, but yet people are being convicted and arrested and, and, and sex trafficking laws being updated and child protective laws are being updated. It just blows my mind that, like you said, those conversations seem to be so hard to have until something happens. Yeah, you know, no because wants to- nobody wants to talk about that, dude, right? It's like, but, but well, no- it's just not that you don't want to talk about it. It's also like Paisley gets very upset. Then she gets very scared and she doesn't kind of even just want to do normal kid stuff because she gets really paranoid and has nightmares. So, I mean, like those are normal things that can happen when you you know, let kids know because kids are, they just want to see the best in everybody and they're so innocent and they don't, you know, they don't know that those things happen unless you share that with them. So it's just, it's a very difficult, you know, thing to talk about, but it does need to be, it does need to be shared. If you don't, the way that I see it is that little discomfort now is going to one, give them a chance should this have ever happen to them and hopefully never. And two, it goes back to the point, the second best thing you can do for them after being there to protect them is to teach them how to protect themselves. Yes. Now, is it 100% proof? No. But a little bit of discomfort now will also prevent a lot of regret on your part later because I – I have to believe that there are those parents to whom if their children were taken or even a loved one, it could be a parent taken, right? And the kid, the mother was kid, was abducted and the child couldn't find her again ever in the store because she's gone right. or a husband or a boyfriend can't find his girlfriend or wife in the store anymore because she was taken because they separated and then you should have said, I should have spoken to her about this. She didn't want to listen, and I just I just backed away. I should have, I should have. You don't want to be in I should have mode. Sure. You would have at least said, I've done everything I could to give them a chance, and hopefully it will work. So a little bit of discomfort now is okay. Take it. Yeah, but and also to look at that, when you think about everything, look at Simone Biles. And come to find out what she endured and others endured because they thought that's what they had to to be recognized as one of the greatest athletes of a generation. And I you know think about how now it's safe sport. They're they're so, focusing a lot more. Hold on a second, Kareem. So who is Simone Biles? I Googled her real quick. So young woman looks like she's in gymnastics. Yeah, gymnastics. Yes. So so what's one the deal the with her? Best- What's the one of the best Olympic gymnasts of our generation? The gynecologist, I guess, is what his, what his position was down at the Olympic Training Center, uh, where they were, was 
sexually assaulting and molesting those guys. And he got found guilty. And they, you know, her and about 50, 60 more that we know of went to Capitol Hill, went to his trial and told on him, basically told what happened to him. Okay. You know, when we talk about Simone Biles and her and her mental state, you know, you think about your you have the, the pandemic going on. Then you have the pressure of going into a foreign country, all their protocols, and then competing against some of the best athletes in the world. Oh, yeah. Not a week before that. You're in court. Um, giving your account of a sexual assault that happened to you. Yeah, and what's crazy is that I do remember this now. So that that doctor, you know, he's cut, and it was a coach too, right? Wasn't it like one of the gymnast coaches that was involved in this? No, you're talking about now. You're talking about the cheerleading thing now. Okay, the cheerleading thing is where the quote coaches and the quote kingmakers were sending sexually explicit texts to the little boys, and they were inviting the girls over. If have you ever, have you ever watched the TV show The Boys? I've seen The Boys. Yeah. It, Okay, what happened to a girl in that cheerleading deal was basically that scene between the guy that's supposed to be like an Aquaman type character and the girl that's supposed to be like Stargirl. If you you want to be successful, this is what you're going to do kind of thing. Right. Or or better yet, because they're larger than life and they're heroes, they can get away with it. Sure. And and that's what was going on with the cheerleading deal. And if you think about it, I hate to say it like this, but you look at gymnastics and cheerleading. Gymnastics, it's one of those things, your stomach just, your heart just hits your stomach when you go, okay, wait, this has been going on for how long? He did it at university of where and did it where and no one said anything. And then you look at the chilling thing when they did the little show on Netflix, you know, and you think about just the, the concept of cheerleading. Then you go into the male cheerleaders and what they're doing and the female cheerleaders, what they're doing. And you have to stop and go, cheerleading? Really? And you say, well, whatever that, that that stereotypical mean girls thing is nothing compares to what's actually happening sure. in certain instances. But again, this is happening in corporate America. This is happening in Hollywood. This is happening. The predators are everywhere, right? They're in every field. They're in every industry. They're politicians. They're world. <laughs> they're world leaders currently. Um, they're everywhere, right? And the bottom line is, it doesn't matter how wealthy or successful somebody is. That could be them. It's very hard. And this is why, you know, we go over with our children. There are only three people or four people that mom and dad actually trust. Like we have different levels of trust, right? Like my kids, I think my kids have met Joe. Uh, You know, we trust Joe. But if Joe shows up at your school and says, your dad was in a car accident. He told me to bring you to the hospital. You don't trust Joe with that, right? Um, but if your auntie shows up, then you go with your auntie, right? So there's multiple levels of trust for everybody. Not that I don't trust Joe. I trust Joe a lot. But uh, there's multiple levels of trust, and kids have to understand that. Just because they're a neighbor does not mean we trust them unequivocally. That was a big word for me, so I had to. I feel impressed. Well, you know whose pickup line that your your bomber dad's been hurt? You know who used to use that a lot, don't you? No. Ted Bundy. Interesting. And what was the line? What got him caught? Uh, your your mom's been hurt. She's something to get you. Oh, interesting. One of the last 
one of the last kids, well, actually, they say the kid that actually would, would finally got him caught, um, he walked up to this random school, saw this little girl, nothing about her, told her just what you said. She got in the car with him, and that was the child he was caught with when the state trooper, I think it was state trooper or however patrolman, pulled him over. Wow. And, you know, uh, what is this? Mason in the chat. He said, when I was growing up, we had a code word for an exact situation so that if somebody showed up and said, hey, your mom and dad was hurt, whatever, if they didn't know the code word, then you were not supposed to go with them. So there was an incident, Tiff probably remembers a date, it was sometime last year, where some kids got off the school bus, there was like three children, got off the bus, and one of the people knew their names, right? Which that's always a big fear for me, because people know us on social media, Uh, people know my kids' names, they know what my kids look like. So, you know, we tell our kids, people are gonna know who you are, right? So this guy knew who they were and he said, hey, you know, Rachel, your mom and dad was in an accident. They told me to come get you. You gotta jump in the car and we gotta go. And the little girl said, what's the code word? And then this bad guy just put their car in drive and took off because that made him realize you are not gonna get these little kids. I was about to say that, you know, you got to teach your kids, like, say, you'd say, like, someone trying to kidnap one of your kids, or, and they like, what's the code word, and he don't know it, and then he's like, then he'll just drive off. You got to teach them the code word, you know? Sure. Yeah, I agree. I just want to make, uh, touch a little bit on Tiffany said, hi, Tiff. She's right that you don't want to, traumatize a kid to the point where they have, they develop a phobia. Sure. But when I think about, like I said, the, the little things they've been trying over the years, you know, through comics, telling the story of what happened um, through the old after school specials, trying to tell a story. Unfortunately, you do have to have those uncomfortable conversations. Um, yeah. I don't, I, my things like this, however you choose to handle it as a parent is your child is how you choose to do it. But, Unfortunately, we have to do that. You know, yeah. We have to have those conversations. Like you said, whether it's a cold word or whether you know, I don't care who it is. If it's not me or your mom or grandma or something like that, go back into the school or whatever. Let them call one of us and we come get you. Stuff like that, you know, like you said, there, there are, you know, bad people everywhere and they do really, really sick things. But unfortunately, because we as adults know they're out there and kids are the innocent. And, and, and for that part, even adults, you know, you have some adults that may have come from an environment where everyone knew each other, everyone, you know, at least it's familiar with everyone and not understand that once they get into a new environment or a different environment, you have to be a little more aware of your surroundings. You have to be a little bit, you know, careful with, you know, who you're around or, or say, for instance, if you're still carrying cash, who you pull out that big wad of, you know, 10s or 20s in front of because it could get you hurt. Dude, I just had a guy in the class on Tuesday and he said that, um, uh, so one of his neighbors was like a pastor or and just like very caring and always trying to help people. So there was a teenager that was really struggling. So he would hire this teenager to come over and just do like small landscaping jobs, pull weeds, whatever. And he said one day he invited this teenager into the house and he pulled down this coffee can from like in the in the kitchen, 
pulled out some money, paid the teenager $20 and then sent him on his way. So then like a week later, I guess his teenager was doing drugs with his buddies and his buddies are like, you know, hey, I need some money. Uh, we need money to go buy more drugs. And the te- this young kid said, I know exactly where we can get some money. So they went into the house, they stole the money. I don't remember if they ended up hurting the man or not. Right. I was the one that told the story. Did you tell this to me? Night Live. Yeah. Okay. And right. Yeah. They killed him. They beat him to death. So when and where did this happen? So it was on a documentary, a Netflix documentary, I Am a Murderer. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, because we were talking that something so simple, you got this kid that you're helping and they're mowing your grass and it's no big deal. And you have this cookie jar that doesn't even have a lot of money in it. It's just got some, you know, change and a little bit of cash in it. So you would never think twice. Of like, this is something that in a few weeks I am literally going to be beaten to death in the middle of the night for. So it's, it's, it's just crazy to think of the little things because a lot of people wouldn't think twice about pulling, you know, a couple $20 bills out of their pocket to pay for their groceries. But the guy behind you is tweaking and he sees. You know, he sees that's a wall. Meanwhile, most of it's ones, but they don't know or they don't care. So it's just it's just thinking about little things like that. Again, we don't want to live in society, you know, being completely paranoid. And we have to just have, you know, some faith as well, uh, you know, in God and just believe that he's going to protect us. And when our time happens, our time is going to happen. We can only do so much. Right. But. It's just little things like that make you think like, oh, yeah, maybe it's not a good idea. That's me. I have, you know, a chunk of money. I like to pay cash because I like to not, you know, pay with a credit card. So my purse has cash in it. But every now and then I when I pull out my cash, I will think, is this the smartest thing that you can do? Like, are you you know, are you going to be now loading up your groceries in the back of the car and somebody's going to, you know, rob you or whatever? Because those people are watching. When I'm in checkout, I'm not looking. I'm not paying attention who's pulling out cash because that's not my MO. But there are people who are watching. So it's just crazy. Crazy to think. It makes you wish. Don't you wish they'd take, you know, maybe just $50 million of that they're using for anti-guns and focus it on stuff like this? Yes. Oh my gosh. That mental health so much. There's so much that they could be focusing, you know, with that money rather than just pissing it away. And I feel the same with all these elections, how much everybody pays for these, you know, elections. It's ridiculous when some of this money could actually be going to help people. Yeah. But see, that would make too much sense, right? They don't want to actually fix big problems because big problems take a long time to fix and they are very challenging, right? So they don't want that because you show no success, right? Or very small victories and people are like, that doesn't help me with my next campaign. What they want is to say, we banned a piece of plastic, my 30 round magazine, we banned that and that's how we're saving lives. When in reality, that 30 round magazine is not killing anybody. That is not what's hurting people. We have massive problems in society that nobody wants to fix. They want to distract us with, frankly, BS. uh, And the American population buys it because we're very distracted on nonsense. 
One of the most freeing things you could do is to get off of social media and stop watching the news. It is freeing. These sites are designed to try to stress us out, to encourage clicks so that these sites can make more money. Yeah, just like the whistleblower from Facebook, you know, basically uh, checked off what you just said, or I'll give you one better than that. The FBI released their statistics about, you know, violent crime. More people have been stabbed and beaten down than have been shot with rifles. That's all rifles combined. But yet they're talking about assault weapons ban. Make sure. Make sense. And, and that statistic has been true for over a decade, right? But nobody wants to talk about that. And when you do talk about it, people are like, one child, if we can save one child, it matters. Okay, I agree with you. If we can save one child, it matters. Now I'm going to say something that is probably going to piss people off. 250,000 children are getting aborted every single year. 250,000 children are being aborted every single year. A couple hundred are dying from guns. I agree. We One life definitely matters. And the fastest way we can save a ton of lives really quick is to stop allowing people to murder their children. Well, as you just mentioned, Ryan, the only deletion that counts is the one that's done with a gun. If you stop and think about it, 200,000, a couple of hundred, they seem that we could save one one of the, the couple of hundred not not taking consideration what led to those situations. Was the situation where it was accidental? I hate to say it was a situation where it was suicide. You know, it's not as cut and dry as like to, you know, make it. And, you know, to your point, you know, it does seem kind of strange that all these things we talked about this evening have gone on. The only one they want to save is, quote unquote, that one child from whatever is going to happen with a gun. Meanwhile, we just had an underhead bridge border full of kids that we can't account for. Yeah, we don't know who their parents are. We don't know why they're being brought across the border. We just know nothing. And if we ask, then we're racist. If we ask, then we're deemed to be bad people that we don't want immigration. Tiffany's an immigrant. My sister-in-law is an immigrant. Lots of my students are immigrants. I think my my family immigrated here, right? So, uh, but I definitely want to know: Are these children being trafficked here? Are they bringing drugs? Like, what is happening? And and you know, we should be allowed to ask those questions without uh, without getting demonized. Yeah, and and you look at the Fox News, and I think a couple of the liberal media showed at one time the little boy that was thrown over the the border fence. Yeah, and Kabul. saw the guys run away and leave him. I'm wondering, did anybody want to save him? I mean, all the cameras were rolling, and this little kid is standing there screaming his lungs out, scared to death. Where is his mom, dad, whoever, whoever? And I hate to say it, that's kind of normal. Whether it's Laredo, uh, Nuevo Laredo or Baja, California, yeah. um, that's not that's not new. It's not something that's not happening. And here's something interesting now. When they had the, the pictures of the border agents on horseback, there was this big whoop for about a week. Yeah. Okay. The answer was, well, they can't use horses anymore. 
that's kind of dumb when you think about that terrain. Oh my gosh, that's you where you need a horse. Exactly, you can only get an ATV so far, you know. And I'm sitting there going, so let me get, let me get, let me get this right. This is this situation is something that's been going on forever. You know, there there's one of the recruiting videos you'll watch for the Border Patrol is this old um, band of of indigenous people who they're like a, a long family line of Border Patrol agents. Their specialty is tracking people and they use horses. So because of one incident that we still don't know what, what went on, you're going to wipe out an entire law enforcement and make no mistake. The Border Patrol is a law enforcement branch. For what? Stupidity. Because they want to change a narrative because a administration is failing epically, like as hard as administration could possibly fail is what's happening. So we got to distract everybody that border patrol agents are whipping people when in reality, eh, they're just controlling a crowd of illegal people sneaking into our country. But that's too much logic. Or I'll give you a better, better than that. How about this? They say it was the most violent year, what have you, okay? When you go through those numbers, you still have to recognize people who got beat up, beat to death, people who got stabbed, people who got beat with some type of billy club or something. I don't remember there being a ban on, you know, bats or knives or anything like that. And then if you look at, if, if everyone wants to go to New Zealand or England, what happened when they, they did the thing in, in England? People started getting stabbed more often. Yeah, they had. So when they banned firearms in England or they banned handguns in like the late 90s, they immediately had a 77% increase in violent crime. Happened the exact same year. Because now the bad guys are thinking, how are you going to stop me, Kathy? What If I go and attack Kathy, this nice woman, you can't defend yourself anymore because Kathy is a responsible law-abiding citizen. And the government said she's not allowed to defend herself anymore. So now Kathy is an easy victim in those areas. And that's why it's BS. That's why we can't allow it to happen in America. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's crazy because you think about, you know, just the, the human the, the human animal. You know, you can't control what everybody's doing all the time. And in the United States, nor should you. You know, you have the right to kind of do just about whatever you want. You know, hopefully nothing, you know, reckless, dangerous, or going to endanger anyone else. But in that same breath, you start saying, okay, I hate to pick on Chicago. Let's talk about Chicago for a second. You have to have a Ford car. You have to, you know, do a background check for the Ford car, do a background check for the training, do a background check for the firm. All these things, at the end of the day, they don't want anybody to have a gun up there. Yep. Highest body count. I mean, you think it's you think it's a, a a scene out of Resident Evil with some of the body counts they have on on the weekends. But sure. then let's go to another little you know gym we don't talk about. Let's talk about the District of Columbia, shall we? Okay. No one can have a gun in the District of Columbia except the, the the privileged. No one really can can have a gun in Maryland except the privileged. And yet they stack bodies up there. Sure. Meanwhile, a state like Texas. Not have a body count all the time. Florida for all of the, everything that goes down down there. Think of, think about this for a second. Like we were talking about last time we talked, 
the, the guy that's the poster child for shoot him in the leg. The cop shot him in the leg. The guy, once he empties his firearm, hops over to the cop and beats him in the head with the, with the very firearm that he just got through shooting at it with. Sure. So this is and the no, ambush that just happened uh, down in like Miami-Dade area. Yeah. And nobody, you know, said I'm, I'm waiting for all the, you know, the, the, the gun control, this, the, this, and, and I'm sitting there going, you know, interesting. No one saying anything about that, really. Yeah. I remember a time when that would have been the talk. That would have been, oh, we, we got to get the guns off the street and we got to do this and we got to do that. And you have a, a, a checkbox of everything that proves that what they're saying about gun control is wrong. A guy that had a rap sheet, you know, he should, he should, in all his supremacy, should have been in prison, but wasn't. Yeah. Co- committed what you call a forcible felony. Because, you know, I, last I checked, shooting at the cops is a forcible felony. I mean, yeah, I'm not the uh, smartest person, wrong. Kareem, but I'm pretty sure that's illegal. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that that's that, that's not necessarily a safe bet. After the he runs out of ammo, he's shot in the leg. The part that gets me is he hops over to the cop. Right. Hops over to him and starts clubbing him in the head. And I'm thinking to myself, um, there is so much wrong with that. But if it was an isolated incident, I, I, I would say, okay, this happened. But no, craziness like that happens in some places where you have some of the most, we don't want anyone to hurt themselves. We don't want anyone, but yet they don't attack big pharma. We used to tell um, young sailors and Marines and airmen that came through, paracord kills more enlisted people than bullets. And you're you're in, you know what I mean when I say that. No one's banning paracord. Sure. No one's banning, you know, certain sleep aids. But the argument is, you know, we don't want people to hurt themselves. Yeah. And I, I I get the sentiment of saying, you know, when you lose a loved one, you don't want you know, you don't want to lose a loved one, especially, you know, in a situation where like, you know, it was something dealing with suicide. But to try to say that they shot themselves is worse than if they use some other means of doing it. I don't I don't think it's a, you know, who's the better villain in that situation. If they commit suicide, it's horrible, it's terrible, and we wish we could have helped them or knew what was going on to help them. But it goes back, like I said, if they were to take about $50 million of that money they're wasting on, quote, gun control and gun lobbying, gun control lobbying, and focus on mental health, behavioral health, maybe, you know, more good could be done. Because what the path we're going down now, you know, talking about violent crime is increasing. Well, how could that be when last summer was some of the most peaceful protests we've had since the 60s? I agree. Uh, it was a right. summer of love, right? <laughs> summer right. of love. It's not like a, a terrorist organization just took over, what was it, like three or six blocks of an American city and declared it as a new country? What was that called? It was called Chaz. Like, I never wait, wait, thought wait. I would ever see that. But wait, wait now. What's the first thing they did? They set up a border. Yeah, no they shit, set up a right? They set up a border. <laughs> they had freaking armed guards and they started charging taxes to the businesses that were located in there. 
Mind Her freaking mind, mind blown. Didn't they shoot a guy who tried to drive through their barricade? I think that happened. And then they, if you remember, they like demanded. So not now they're their own independent sovereign country, right? But then they demand marijuana, cigarettes, and pizza from the American government. Because they realized like, oh, oh, shoot, man. It's actually kind of hard to run our own country. Yeah, so if that's not proof that one idea of socialism just ain't going to work, I don't know what it is. Because think about it. In Portland, and I hate to pick on Portland, but you think about what they do out there. They, they have legal, quote, consumption amounts of just about any kind of drug you can think of. Sure. What are they upset about? Why are they rioting? I mean, it's based on their logic. They should all be numb and in a daze. Exactly. Based on their logic, they do all the drugs. They sleep whatever they want to. There aren't that many guns up there, although Oregon and Washington have some great, you know, hunting areas, which which is interesting about Washington State. Washington State has a hunting round law, which means you can't hunt game with anything under a 30 cal. You can't use 5.56, 9mm, I think you use 45. Okay. Those are considered hunting, hunting calibers. So now, with just that little thing aside, what are you writing about out there? That's all I'm wondering. What are you writing about? And Another part about it is they burned stuff, they ran stuff, they threw rocks, this, this, and other, and that was peaceful? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, as a Christian, I think that uh, we all know that all of these things have been outlined in the Bible. We know that it's, I think it's going to get a lot worse, and the only way any of this stuff is going to change, it's not going to happen by this podcast, it's not going to happen by a law. The only way any of this is going to get fixed is with Jesus. Amen. Yep. Yeah. I just hope that, you know, when, when he comes back, he explains people, you know, during my time, we had spears, slingshots, and swords. In your era, you have firearms. You might want to, you know... <laughs> Thy AR-47 and their word shall comfort me. You know, I hate to you know go down that line, but you know you have to think about that one too. Sure. All right, guys, I think we are going to end it right there. So I want to give a big thanks to Kareem, Arthur, Joseph, Jason, Nelson, uh, Kathy, Douglas. You're amazing. Kathy makes like the greatest green chili sauce in the world. I think we're going to start a new business and we're going to bottle it. Uh, big thanks to everybody that's on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, you can join us next week. We're going to be doing another uh, chat on Clubhouse, 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys. Yep, Couture, I want you on there next time. We'll have some great topic for you. Thanks, dude. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Good night, everybody. Thank you, Ryan. Sorry I was late. I was eating supper. Yeah, I just came in. <laughs> I got you guys start at five. I'm still working. Oh yeah, that's okay, man. I know you're out there hustling and making money. That's important. I hear you, brother. Thanks, guys. Be safe. <laughs>